The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone, goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again! Platoon, present cell phone. High Five! High Five! Casino! Casino! Win at High Five Casino! High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, save on select steel battery tools. Right now, save $50 on the FSA 57 battery trimmer set. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. With AK-10 battery and AL-101 charger, offer valid for limited time only while supplies last. See participating dealer for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is the New York City Cast with Will Hill, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome to the New York City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. A Friday show for you, Memorial Day weekend. Mike Westhoff, former special teams coach for the Jets and the Saints. He'll join us. He's got a new book out, so we'll talk about his time with the Jets, his career. Looking forward to that. He's uh, He's got a lot to say, so should be an interesting conversation. A lot to do. Yankees kick off their biggest series of the season, really, so far in uh, positive fashion as they beat Tampa last night. They play again tonight. Mets in action against the Phillies, so we'll get to those games. But I think we'll spend a, a few minutes here on the Rangers, who... Look, they just can't, <laughs> unless their back's up against the wall, unless they're basically facing elimination, unless their season's on the line, they can't seem to win a game in these playoffs. But uh, every time they, they do need to win the game, they come through. So it's kind of, you know, depends how you want to look at it here. As the Rangers were just thoroughly outplayed throughout last night. They lose the game. It was 3-1 to one when they turned it off. I don't think Carolina added an empty netter. Rangers just had very few chances. I mean, Carolina scored first, range you know, on a shorthanded goal nonetheless. Rangers answer, score a power play goal. Uh, once Carolina took a two to one lead, and yeah, it was a three one final. Once the Rangers took, or once the yeah, once the Rangers fell behind two to one, it just felt like they weren't even get, getting close to getting a shot on goal. Just completely dominated, outplayed by Carolina. After I thought what was probably their best game of the playoffs in Game Four, this was a game where uh, it's probably their worst game of the playoffs, but. Hey, look, they, they, they've been facing elimination pretty much all postseason. And they will face elimination again Saturday night. Rangers minus 110 in New York back at the Garden. Plus 250 to win the series now. Is Obviously, what's challenging here is nobody's broken through on home ice yet. It, it's hard to do that in Game 7 for the first time. But, hey, it's hockey. It's a Game 7 if you can get there. Anything can happen. So right now, obviously, the, the goal for the Rangers, just continue the season. Just figure out a way to get back on a plane, back to Carolina, where, hey, one game, anything can happen. And the Rangers certainly are used to playing with their back up against the wall, and they will have their back up against the wall. These next two games, so uh, I do think we'll get a Game 7. I hope we'll get a Game 7. It'd be a lot of fun. You know, there's nothing like a hockey Game 7, especially if it's tight late, if you get it to overtime. So... Uh, I do think the Rangers, now you can look, again, you can look at it this one or two ways. You know, they played well with their back up against the wall. They're playing with house money. You know, down 3-1 to Pittsburgh. You know, down 2-0 in Game 5. Down 2-0 in Game 6. Trailing in Game 7. Then down 2-0 in this series. They've won all all the must-wins they've, they've won. 
Uh, you can also look at it and say, you know what? Uh, eventually that runs out. Uh, eventually the, the puck doesn't bounce your way. And eventually, you know, you go to the well one too many times and there's nothing there. And uh, we'll see if the Rangers can force a game seven. I would expect them to. I wouldn't be shocked if they didn't, but I would expect them to. So that'd be great. You know, one win away. If you can get a game seven where you got a trip to go to the conference finals, that would be a lot of fun. So rooting for the Rangers anyway. The drama of it would be great. So rooting for the Rangers here Saturday night. We're certainly not going to get a lot of drama in the NBA as the Warriors are going to the finals. I would expect the Celtics to win tonight, minus nine, total 201. I would expect the Celtics to beat up on the beleaguered, injured, just worn down, worn out Miami Heat. That was just a rough performance in game five and a brutal performance in game four. So I would expect we're looking at a Celtics-Warriors finals. Now we're going to have a week off here, so... Look, it's been a bad postseason to begin with. Now you're going to have a week off on top. Is there going to be any juice for this final? I think there will be just because it's Curry, it's Tatum, it's the Celtic uniform, it's the Warrior uh, recent dynasty. So there are some good storylines, but again, it's a bad postseason. You don't really have that base. None of these series are exciting. Again, it's a lot of time off. You're going to have nothing this Memorial Day weekend. Nothing Saturday night, nothing Sunday, nothing Monday. Barring some sort of upset because the finals don't start till Thursday. So hopefully we'll get some drama here in hockey. Uh, that's the Rangers situation. The Yankees, well, well, that's an impressive win. That's an important win, an impressive win. I think you go into this series against Tampa, first time playing them all year, all these injuries, and you say, you know what? A few days ago you would have wanted to get three out of four, and hey, you, you want to still get three out of four. You want to get four out of four. But realistically, if you can split here, it's not the worst thing in the world where the goal was three out of four probably a few days ago. Now, you know what? If you split and you move on and, and you – uh, just kind of bide your time till you can get healthy. That's not the worst thing in the world. Well, they're halfway there. They win with Cortez, who's just been brilliant. Uh, a legitimate ace, a legitimate Cy Young candidate. Hey, if boy, if you ask most, most Yankee fans right now, if you gave them true serum, game seven tomorrow, win, win or take all game, you know, elimination game, life on the line, season on the line, who do you want to have the ball, Cortez or Cole? You get a very split foe. I, I think I would still go Cole, but it wouldn't be by a lot. It wouldn't be by a lot, and I, I really I might go Cortez. I know that's a little bit of recency bias, but he's just built up a trust in you. Know, he hasn't really done it in big games, but he's just been so steady, so reliable. Where Cole has had some moments with the home runs, I think Cole's got a little bit of a bad rep here. Cole's still a really good pitcher. Uh, and I have no problem giving the ball to Cole as long as he's healthy, and there's no reason he shouldn't be. I have no problem giving the ball to Cole in a big game. You just worry about the home runs with Cole. Where Cortez, it just seems like you can't get a good swing on him. You can't get the bat. You can't get the the good part of the bat on the ball against him. So, an impressive win for Cortez, an impressive performance for Cortez as Judge leads off, which I think is a good idea because if you're going to put him third, hey, two outs, nobody on, you're just going to get walked. So if you lead him off at least you know what that first at bat of the game you at least he's getting something to hit so he continues just come through just been an incredible performance by judge uh he got the scoring started with an rbi single so good win for the yankees now you get a little greedy now you can win two out of these three you do take three out of four you put yourself put some distance between you and tampa here so tyone goes tonight against springs uh, Springs advanced stats are very good very good at limiting weak contact keeping the ball off the fat of the bat exit velocity he is uh he's a good pitcher, so this isn't going to be easy for the Yankees. The Yankees haven't seen him a lot, I don't think so. Uh, I would lean under seven and a half. This is still a rough lineup, and that was a that was a rough beat on the under last night because that game was nothing nothing in the sixth. It was like three nothing in the seventh or the eighth. It was Yankees scored a bunch of runs in the ninth, and Tampa got a couple garbage runs. So that was a bad beat on the under. So we'll go back to the well here. I do like the under tonight. Tyone against Springs. Uh, and this is the time of year. We'll get to the Mets here in a minute, but this is the time of year. Memorial Day is always that benchmark where you look at where your team is, and you know it's hard to say it's early anymore. Yes, there's a lot of time left, but there's a difference between there's a lot of time left and it's early. You're at a point now where uh, I think the statistic is 75, 80% of teams that are in first place on Memorial Day go on to win the division. So this is no longer you know a week, a month, six weeks. We're a good seven weeks, two months into the season now. Seven weeks because we started April 7th, I think, was opening day. So... You got a pretty good feel of who you are. The Yankees now 32 and 13, decent size lead in the East. Again, Stanton injured, plenty of injuries in the bullpen between Chapman and Green and Loisaga. Uh, so the Yankees, this is an important time to just kind of hold on. I, I think, you know, looking forward to this time, you know, a few weeks ago, looking ahead, it was this is a time for the Yankees to pull away. Well, with all these injuries, I don't know. Same thing with the Mets. I don't know. This is a time of the year where you can expect to pull away because you're so beat up. Now it's a, a situation where hey if you could just hold serve if you could just keep 
your competitors at arm's length here and get your guys healthy. I think that's the goal. So Yankees plus 600 to win a, a championship now, plus 325 to win the American League. Uh, division prices, a Yankees minus 230. Those are, I mean, the Yankees have played so well here. They bet themselves, they played themselves out of being bettable. So if you're going to bet the Yankees minus 230 to win the division, I don't think there's value there. Uh, plus 325 to come out of the American League, plus 600 to win a title. Again, you missed your opportunity for better numbers at the Yankees. If you want to get at the Yankees here, you know what? Maybe they, they hit a slide here and you can get them some better numbers here in the next week or two. But the Yankees, 32 and 13. Playing really well. Uh, and the Mets, also in first place, finally lost two in a row. I don't think they've had a three-game losing streak all year. I'm pretty sure they haven't. They have now lost two in a row. That kid got bombed the other night, the minor leaguer. Boy, that was a uh, grand opening, grand closing. His first start as a big leaguer, he got rocked in San Francisco. Early and often, the San Francisco scored off him. Had like seven extra base hits, a bunch of homers, a couple walks. He just got smashed on Wednesday afternoon. Tuesday, they lost a crazy game. Monday, they won. So... Be nice for the Mets as they get they get a chance here to bounce back against Philly, who just can't get out of their own way with the bullpen, the defense. They just seem to find ways to lose games. I don't know how long Girardi will be managing that team. I know he's a good manager, but I don't know. I, I don't know if he's outdated, if he's not as analytically friendly. I know his personality wears on people. To me, he's a good manager, but hey, you need the bullpen pieces too, and that team just seems incomplete. That team, yeah, they have Harper, they have Wheeler. Nolish feels like he should be a little better, but there's just a lot missing in that Phillies team. Uh, so I don't know how long Girardi's going to be there, but it is Carrasco going tonight for the Mets uh, against Eflin. Mets minus 130, total 7.5. Uh, I'll make a small bet on the Mets here to bounce back. They're home. They've had a day to recoup here. Again, they've avoided these long losing streaks, so it's important for the Mets here to get 2 out of 3 against Philly, beat up on the Nationals early in the week, because then you go to L.A. for 4, then you go to uh, San Diego. Then the schedule gets a little tougher here for a couple weeks, so you want to just keep patting that cushion now, granted, you're without your pitchers, so it's not going to be easy, but this is a softer part of the schedule as the schedule does get tougher here in the next month or so after this stretch where they get the Phillies, they get the Nationals. After that, it's four in L.A. It is, uh, let's see, three in San Diego to play the Padres. Then they're at uh, the Angels for three. Then they get the Brewers after that. So this is enough. They, they got a stretch coming. They got a stretch coming here for the Mets. There's a little there's a little trouble ahead. Now, maybe you're so far ahead, maybe you can kind of steady the tide here and just you know play well against these better teams. Just because you're playing good teams doesn't mean you can't beat them. But without Scherzer, without DeGrom, who knows when McGill's going to be back. Uh, again, Angels, Dodgers, Brewers, Padres, a lot of these games on the road. This is not going to be an easy stretch for the Mets. So you got a chance here, three against Philly, three against Washington. Go four and two, go five and one. Put even more distance between you and the Braves, you and the Phillies, and... Give yourself a little cushion because you might need that cushion here in the next month. So that's the Yankees. That's the Mets. I guess I could give you the futures prices on the Mets. Same thing with the Yankees, where I just don't know that they're bettable at these prices. If anything, if you've got Mets bets, if you've been listening to the show and I've been telling you bet the Mets on the division at plus money, you know, weeks, weeks ago, months ago, this might be a time to look at Atlanta. Atlanta plus 325. I would like a little more. Mets minus 235 to win the division. Let's see, Mets plus 415 to go to the World Series and win the National League. Mets are plus 825 to win a World Series. I just think the schedule coming up is so tough that they might hit a rough patch and you might get some better numbers. So, uh, yeah, I would probably wait. You know, like the, these six games are pretty winnable, Phillies and Nationals, but after that it's tough for the next two or three weeks after that. So maybe if you are if you have nothing on the Mets and you want to get involved, maybe wait two or three weeks and then you go to BetRivers.com or download the BetRivers app and fire away on the Metropolitans. Maybe they'll hit a skid here in the next few weeks. I don't think it's going to be smooth sailing. Without those pitchers, it's going to be a tough schedule to navigate. So uh, that's the baseball. Rangers hopefully force a game seven Saturday night. So we got some drama this weekend, at least in one of these winter sports. The NBA playoffs have just been terrible. So hopefully the Rangers can keep their season alive on Saturday. I think they will. I do think they will. They've been kind of predictable in that. When they need to win a game, they do. If they don't need to win the game, they don't. You know, they, They're even in these series. They lose. They're behind. They come back, and they tie it. So hopefully that trend continues at least for one more game, and the Rangers do force uh, a game seven. We'll, we'll see about that on Saturday. Yankees continue a big series in Tampa. I like the under in that game. And then I do like the Mets minus 130 here against the Phillies. As both New York teams in first place, both dealing with some injuries. Both Look, it, it's gotten 
rocky here the last week. After smooth sailing the first six weeks, it's definitely gotten rocky here. I mean, think about the last week you had. Scherzer got hurt. I think that was last Wednesday. Since then, Chapman, Green, Loisaga, Stanton. I mean, it's just got guys after guys just every day. You can't even keep up. And then LeMahieu. I didn't even mention LeMahieu. Uh, wasn't in the lineup again today. And, and the troubling thing about that, they signed Matt Carpenter, the longtime Cardinal, three-time All-Star which makes you think, boy, maybe this wrist discomfort from LeMahieu is a little more serious because why would you sign Carpenter? You don't really need Carpenter. Now, granted, you need another bat, but you know you would need more of an outfielder type guy. You don't really need an infielder unless this is an extended absence for LeMahieu. So hope for the best there. No LeMahieu, no Stanton, missing a bunch of relievers. King starting to get worn down. Uh, Holmes has been tremendous, but hey, he's only one guy. You can't clone himself. So important stretch for the Yankees, important stretch for the Mets as both teams are still comfortably in first place, off to good starts as we enter Memorial Day weekend. And, of course, the Rangers down three games to two against the Rangers. But coming up, we'll talk a little football. An interesting guy, an interesting personality. If you haven't heard him, stick around because he's got a lot of opinions. He's got a lot to say. He is not shy. I think I bet Rivers should look into giving him his own podcast because he is very entertaining. And he is next. He is Mike Westoff to talk a little football. That is next. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Bet River Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to sign up. Must be 21 or older, available in New York only. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. All right, we are back. New York City cast, Bet River Sportsbook. Uh, our next guest is somebody I've been a huge fan of for a long time, dating back to boy, Hard Knocks 2010, probably even before that. He is now an author. The book is Figure It Out. It is excellent. You should go out and buy it. He is maybe the best special teams coach in the history of the NFL. It is Mike Westoff. Mike, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on. Good morning. How are you? Uh, good morning. No, I'm doing great, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's hard to believe that Hard Knocks is 12 years ago now, isn't it? <laughs> it kind of is it goes fast you know people think of you they think obviously the special teams they think of the jets uh but you almost didn't go to the jets parcells calls you early 2000s you're about to take the jets job and he says hang tight i got something cooking it falls through and you end up with the jets can you explain that story because uh it's kind of vague in the book in terms of what parcells had in mind i know there were rumors back then that he was going to go to tampa and take that job this is right before he took the cowboy job after he left the jets i believe uh can you explain what happened and how you almost didn't even end up with the jets you know i know i knew him for a long time having played for him in college and knowing knowing him as a coach and we had talked a number of times about my maybe going with him and joining him and i always thought that would be a really good thing as it turned out like to know things a little bit differently that probably wouldn't have worked great for me to be honest with you but anyway after the mess happened in miami which was kind of a crazy situation there um i had i coached in 2000 probably the best special teams unit in nfl history ever and i ended up getting fired but that's another whole stupid story uh we got to buy the book to read it anyway uh the jets i was very interested in but i called bill and was talking to him about some things. And he told me to hold off, that he had something maybe going, and he wanted to talk with me about it. So I did. As it turned out, it was, um, you know, he was involved in looking at a job. Uh, he never did tell me where. Uh, you, you just referred to the rumor that it was maybe could have been Tampa. I, I don't know that for sure. Um, it was very vague. And as it turned out, it's, uh, I don't believe it was anyone's finest hour, not mine. I had nothing to do with it. Um, but it, it fell through, to make long story short. He told me that the guy wouldn't pull the trigger. I believe I know what he's referring to, but it's just not fair to talk about something you're not sure of. But anyway, uh, that's how I ended up in New York. I wanted to go to New York anyway. That's, that's right where I wanted to go. I knew the team, and I knew that both Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick put together a good football team because I had gone against them. And uh, Herman Edwards got the job. And they were, it was a talented team. I mean, it, we were a good football team. So uh, I went up there and met with them and they offered me the job. And I was uh, very, very happy. They ended up being probably the best years of my life. 
You know, yeah, people think of the Jets, they think of a losing organization. I mean, it's funny. They haven't been to the playoffs since you left, since that 20, what, 2011 AFC title game against the Steelers. They haven't been back. But, you know, you got you, you actually had a lot of success when you're there. You made the playoffs a bunch of times with Herm. You made it one year with Mangini. You had another eight and three season before things fell apart with Mangini. Obviously, the two AFC title games um, with with Ryan in 20, uh, 2009, 2010. So you guys did a lot of winning. You guys had good teams. Um, you know, is there a moment you look back? I know you wrote about the Pittsburgh game 2004 where you missed the kicks and you settled for the field goals. Is there one moment when you look back at the Jets and if I can give you one mulligan, you would take it in one game that really sticks with you? Oh, yeah, sure. Well, there are several, to be honest with you. Um, if I had to pick one, that's tough because the 2002 opening game up in Buffalo where we where we ran the two, Ted Morton ran the two kickoff returns, one in overtime to beat maybe was the greatest special teams game any, any team ever played in history. I mean, I would argue that one. But if I had to pick one, it was the canceled 9-11 game where we were supposed to play Oakland, and I wrote about, about this extensively in the book, and it's no doubt in my mind that it was the New York Jets, that their persistence, that they just didn't want to play that first game after 9-11, that pushed the NFL into kind of taking a timeout and moving back a little bit from things. And I think all of sport followed, baseball, golf, you name it, they all did it, followed, and I believe it was the New York Jets that started that, and it was the best thing ever for the country. I just believe that. But anyway, that canceled game, and then we went out to Oakland to play the makeup game at the end of the year, might have been uh, my favorite game, my time, whole time with the Jets. We had an incredible game. I, I got to write about it. Uh, Oakland was a very good team. We had to win. We had a couple great things that happened. Um, Chris Hayes talked a little bit about some of the stuff he was interviewed in the book. Uh, we blocked that punt for a touchdown. We, we just everything we did. And then after the game, which I had done many times in my career, I was either the first one out of the locker room or the last. Well, this time I was first. I got dressed and I went back out into that empty, crummy Oakland stadium. And I sat in those stands by myself and I was reflecting what had just taken place. And we played this great game. And, and I was, I felt so good about what, what I had done. And, and I, I, I talked about to myself um, that, you know, you're not, sometimes you don't get everything in life that you'd like to have. And because of some of the medical things, I probably wasn't going to get a head coaching job. And I was disappointed, but I thought to myself, you know, the stuff that I'm doing, everything was working. I mean, everything. And I thought, you know, if you keep doing this, Mike, you could change this game. And I firmly believe that I did that. And that manifested itself a little later, which I talked about when I was watching the movie Moneyball with Brad Pitt, when he was the general manager for the Oakland A's, Billy Bean. And he sat in that same crummy stadium and talked about how what he was doing could maybe change baseball. And, and I thought about that years later, um, how I sat there in that same thing. So that game had a tremendous meaning to me in a lot of different ways. And um, not all of them terribly positive, because I kind of realized that maybe I wasn't going to get everything I wanted. But at the same time, I could have a somewhat of a dramatic impact. And I was so proud of that group that I was with. Because we were really freaking good. And that was fun. So to give a long answer to your, your question, I'm sorry. But uh, if I had to pick one moment of all my years, that would be the moment. Yeah, and that was that was twice in six days you guys played. Because that was January 6th. Yes. That was a Sunday. And, and yes. then they beat you the next Saturday afternoon. Uh, the next Saturday. I remember that game. It was 38-24 final. I remember it being closer than that. I don't remember if they pulled away at the end, but well, you know, we were, like you said, they had good teams. Yeah, go ahead. We were ahead at half. Yeah. We were ahead. And then we had a couple instances. We had a player that couldn't, a big name player that we really needed that uh, ended up taking himself out of that game and didn't come out of the locker room at halftime. Uh, they should have left them there when the plane went home, but uh, we didn't do that. that was, they had asked me. That's what I would have done. But and they didn't ask me. Wasn't one of my guys, that's for sure. Anyway, make a long story short, we lost that next trip out there. We, that was a good football team. And it actually kept getting better. And we had a couple of years where, where we were in the playoffs and, and, and we, we were very competitive. Uh, of course, we had you know, Kevin Mawai and Curtis Martin and you know, Vinny Testaverde and 
Chad Pennington. This was a good football team. So it was a lot of fun to be a part of. And one thing for sure, as you've heard mentioned, you know, same old Jets. No, time out. We were not the same old Jets. We were damn good. Yeah, and especially those early years with Herm, I thought Parcells did a really good job. You know, he had a lot of first-round picks. He kind of molded that team. You know, they were big, tough, good offensive line. Curtis Martin, I still think, is one of the most underrated backs uh, in NFL history. And whether it was Testaverde, Pennington, they had a good couple good receivers. Like you said, great special teams. It was just a a well-rounded team that Parcells left. No doubt about it. You're 100% right. I mean, you look at even on defense, you know, Mo Lewis, Marvin Jones, you know, Abraham and Ellis, Ferguson played the nose. You know, Aaron Glenn, I mean, these are really good players. You know, Lavernius Coles, Santana Moss, Wayne Corbett. Whoa, come on now. I mean, this this is a good football team that could play any. And I had had an all-star team. We could beat anybody. So it was uh, an exciting time. Um, To be honest with you, and and I'll take a little bit of blame myself, uh, that I could have probably done a little better job of helping them through it. I don't think Herman quite really appreciated how good we were. I don't think he ever really quite knew it. I'm just, that's just my opinion. I, that's probably not fair to say, but uh, I'll say it anyway. I just don't, you know, it just was, it was a good team that if sometimes you have to take what you have when you're pretty good and just try to find a way to manifest it, to keep building what you have. But sometimes you have a different kind of team. You're just different, but you have to figure that out. I mean, we were, you know, with Rex, we were a very certain type of team. And all of a sudden, we were going to change and become New England Patriots South Branch. Well, excuse me, Mark Sanchez is our quarterback. You can't do that. You can't do that. You know, figure out what you have and make it better. We led the league in rushing in those days. We had a great defense. Of course, we had Drell Rivas. You know, he put him on one side of the field and the rest of the other 10 on the other. And, uh, and I had another all-star team. So, you, you know, we're that, uh, Damian Tomlinson, Alan Fanica, and all of a sudden, we're, these guys are all going away. You better talk to the general manager to decide to make those moves. Yeah, I thought, especially the early 2000s teams, I thought they were really good. I never thought that, hey, this team's going to win a Super Bowl. But maybe if you know Parcells had stayed around long, do you, do you get the sense if Parcells had stayed longer, if, if he saw it through? Because he wasn't with the Jets very long. Do you think if Parcells stayed there another three, four years, you guys win a championship, have a, have a better chance of winning a championship? That's a good question, and I think I think he understood what he had. You got to read my book to know that he and I aren't exactly didn't end up as friends because of what he did. But you got to read it because what he did was really was not the right thing to do with me. Uh, he screwed that up. He, he won't be too happy when he reads it. But that's, I could care less. Um, Is that yeah, something you want to talk fact, about? Pardon me. Is that something? Did you want to tell that story? Or you want to save that for for people to read the book? They got to read it. I'll tell a little bit about it. This when I. Uh, Oh, you asked me a tough question um, because it's just something I, I, I read uh, or I wrote that uh, you see, and I were always pretty close. I, I always treated him uh, like he was a big brother. I asked him constantly for advice and he gave it to me un, unselfishly and it really helped me. Uh, a lot of times I actually would ask him to help me figure out a situation for a football team and he would describe it in great depth to me tell me what to do. And I would relate it to say Herman, but I never told Herman it came from Bill. I always told him I got it from coach Shula because he could accept it from coach Shula, but from Bill, he would have had a heart attack. So I handled it the right way, but Bill was great to me. But then after I had to have some surgeries, I was gone from the, 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 the jets. I had to take a leave of absence. I was not, I was still being paid. I was under contract, but I had a very, very serious surgery and I was out. They hired another coach. I was done. I thought I was going to have to retire. Well, as it turned out, the surgery worked, and I knew I was going to be able to come back. So during the summer, I decided to go to some training camps. So I went up to Jacksonville. I called Tampa, and I called Bill. So a friend of mine and I drove over, and we went to practice. I sat with Bill in a golf cart the whole day, talked with him, had watched the practice, talked to their head coach, had a great visit, thanked them. I couldn't have been happier. About a week later, the New York Jets signed uh, Brett Favre. And all of a sudden, their whole team changed. And they called me and they said, Mike, you have to come back. I said, well, I'm not coming back. I said, first of all, I had the surgery. I don't know if the doctor will let me. They said, well, if you can, you got to come back because we're not happy with what's going on. We need you back. So I went up to New York and went to Sloan Kettering, 
doctor told me I was going to be okay. They didn't want me to come back, but I could come back. So I went in and talked with them. I decided to come back with a one-year deal. They had offered me a bunch of money and a new deal. I turned it all down. I told them, I said, I'll come back for a year and then we'll figure out what's going to happen. I said, you cannot fire anybody. I'll make it work. All right. A week later, I get a letter from Bill Parcells explaining to me how he contacted the NFL and I shouldn't have been at their training camp practice, which he was correct. I didn't know this, but at the time, if you're under NFL contract, you can't be at another team's training camp. So I was wrong. I didn't know it. I sat in the golf cart. What the hell did I hurt? But he inferred that I was over there cheating. And it hit the fan. Now, is this something you guys resolved? Is it an issue? Is it Never. a situation with Parcells where he just Never. can't turn that competitive Never. part of his I, I was investigated by the NFL security, NFL head of NFL security. I, I, I won't use his exact language, but what he told me to tell that guy was something that uh, I'll say for another time. But anyway, the letter is something he should have never been written. I was wrong, but I sure as hell didn't go down there to cheat. I, I coached a game he didn't want me to coach. We opened up with Miami. He told me I can't coach that game. I coached it. I, I can tell you exactly what I told him. But to make a long story short, I've never talked to him again. The book is Figure It Out. We're talking with Mike Westoff, who's the author. Again, one of the great special teams coach, maybe the best special teams coach in the history of the NFL. Uh, you mentioned the Favre season. I always think about it. It's such a, a weird season, such a random season, because I felt like Favre was using the Jets to get his way to Minnesota. He, he Green Bay wasn't going to trade him to Minnesota. He wanted to go to the Vikings to get back into Packers, so he uses the Jets kind of as, as a gap year. And you guys were good. You guys were 8-3. and three. You had Mangini. Uh, you fell apart late, and then Mangini gets fired. Uh, kind of what happened in, in that 2000, it was 2008, I believe. What happened in that season? We, we were a good football team, but we were good. We, we had, it was fun. We were, we started being a good team. Brett was incredible. He was tremendous. He worked hard in practice. He was fun to be around. And then he got hurt. It hurt his shoulder. And, and our, our, we just disintegrated. We lost a couple games. We should have won. Denver beat us at home that we should have never lost to those guys. We were a better football team than them. Uh, and so we fell apart. You know, we went from eight and three. What we end up with, uh, you know, we won one more game, I guess, and we ended up nine and seven or something. It's terrible. You know, we just weren't a very good team. And they fired Eric. I, to this day, Eric kind of couldn't get out of his own way sometimes. Eric did a lot of good things. Sometimes he would, the way he handled some things where, where maybe not, he had a lot to learn. But there were a lot of good things. You know, maybe, you know, was he trying to become Bill Belichick? I, I can't, I don't know that for sure. But it didn't work out, and they let him go. I, I think that was a mistake. I, I don't believe that he should have been fired, because uh, I think he did a lot of good things. I think would he would he have matured? He did, he didn't when he went to Cleveland. He was just as bad or worse. Um, but I think he's a good coach, and, and I, I think he'd be a very good addition to anybody's staff. I'm disappointed that he never got back in the league, because um, I think he did more good things than bad. But sometimes he couldn't get out of his own way a little bit. And uh, it's kind of a shame because uh, there were a lot of good things that he did. He, he practiced situations very well. He was very, he did, I think, a very good job in the draft. He had uh, you know, the one mistake that they made when they drafted Vernon Golston that didn't work out too well, which I did have an interesting story about that. You get a chance to read that. But um, they let him go and let him go and then, and then brought Rex in. And Rex walked in to a very good football team and Rex handled it. Perfectly, perfectly, because we had a good staff. John Gruden told me one time, was a pretty good friend of mine, that he thought that was the best NFL coaching staff he had ever seen. Wow. We were pretty good. We had good coaches, and we had a good group of players, and we added the right guys. And, you know, we weren't the sexiest team, but we were a team that could beat anybody. And the next thing you know, you know, we're fighting our way to the championship game. You know, were, were we just going to dominate? No, but we were good enough to win. You didn't want to play us now because we'd knock your teeth down your throat. We were tough. We were really a tough team. Remember, we led the league in rushing. We had one of the best defenses. I had one of the best special teams. That's who we were. And it was fun. It was really fun. And Eric had a lot to do with that. So to go back to your question with Eric, um, I saw more good than bad. I definitely did. Sometimes there was a maturity thing of how sometimes he talked to the guys. And I think that, that worked excellent. We practice sometimes crazily, but then I think those things, again, sometimes I, I get 
take a little bit of the blame because I think I because he was always good to me. You know, he treated me great, and he should have. But he did. And I could have maybe done a better job with him and got him to kind of level off a little bit. I, I didn't do as bad as well as I wish I, I would have. But um, we were a good team that fell apart. When Brett Favre got hurt, we crashed. I mean, and we crashed. We lost a couple of games we should have won, but we crashed. Because you can't go from 8-3 to not even being in the playoffs. That's a disgrace. Yeah, and that was a year I, I thought you got, there was an opening because, like you said, you guys were good. Uh, and that was the year Brady got hurt and, and things kind of opened up. I think Miami ended up winning the division and they were running the Wildcats. So that, that was a year where I think things were kind of wide open. And like you said, things just fell apart. You mentioned in the book, Mangini, and I think you were, used the word condescending. He would talk down to players. Now, you would be tough on players. You're demanding. I think you have to be demanding of the players. What's the difference in your mind? That, is there a thin line between being condescending and being demanding, you know, being hard on the players, but doing it in the right way? It's a matter of just showing a certain respect. Yeah. Uh, it's not that Eric didn't respect him. That, that would be not fair to say, because I know that he did. But sometimes, you know, I mean, he would have a – he we'd have a personnel meeting on Wednesday. We're getting ready for a game scouting report. And he'd come in, the whole team would be there, and he'd be talking about things. And he'd, he'd call out Mike, Mike, Mike Nugent, kicker maybe, and he'd say, Mike, tell me about their defensive line. I used to want to throw up. I said, Mike Nugent is going to kick the ball through the goalposts. I don't care if he knows anything. I don't even care if he knows who they are. But that was the difference. Eric was looking for, you know, it was almost like intimidation. And, and that doesn't work. And that really doesn't work with these guys because these are grown men. They're, and they're tough. They don't forget, these guys have been the toughest kid in our class ever since they entered grade school. That's who they are. So you have to treat them. You cannot be, you, you cannot acquiesce. You have to be, you know, I, I could be very, very tough. But I respected them. I also knew what they went through to play the game. Because I spent a lot of my life being a little bit uncomfortable. I just did. I still do. But I can still function. But you have to make sure you know the difference. I used to have a sign in my office that said, put some space between your anger and your intellect. You got to put a little space there. You can't be just a jerk. I can get mad. But I made sure that I did it in the right way. And as I was told by a pretty good coach one time, a long time ago, of how to treat people, and uh, as he made it very clear to me, you might not end up being the most popular, but at the end of all of it, they'll love you for what you did. Uh, 09, 010, you, you mentioned the teams were good, 2009, 2010, the rushing, you know, Thomas Jones, I thought was an underrated player. You had Keller, you had a good offensive line. You go to back-to-back -back AFC title games. Did you go into either one thinking, all right, we're going to win this game? I, I know the first one was against Peyton Manning and pretty much his prime, and you had to leave it to half. The other one, Pittsburgh, you got way behind. You fought back. You had a chance to get the ball back at the end. I think they ran it in like third and three and pretty much sealed the game. Did you go into either one thinking, all right, we're going to win this game? I, I know Pittsburgh, that second one, you just beaten them three or four weeks earlier, right around right. Christmas, I think the week before Christmas. Uh, what, what can you tell me what you remember about going into those two AFC title games? Because you, you bring up a good point. You, you, you got it down pretty well. You just, uh, to get you in the media, you're pretty sharp. That's smart. <laughs> good job. That's a good question. Uh, you did it. That's smart. A lot of people don't know that. We were headed half at the Colts. Um, I'll forget. We lost we, we lost of our DBs. We lost our starting safety for the whole second half. We had Rex had to make some big adjustments because he was playing a very set thing that was really giving Peyton problems. He was doing a great job with it. And, and then we really weren't able to control the ball well enough to not give Peyton that number of opportunities. You can't give him too many chances. And we did that. And that got away from us in the second half. But I think we felt that we were a good matchup. But once, once we got banged up a little bit, some of that, that matchup that we just had a little tiny bit of an edge, we lost some of that. We lost it. And they weren't going to let me do anything. I mean, they were going to try to kick every ball. They didn't care. They weren't going to, because we had killed them before, and we had run touchdowns against them. And that time we beat them, uh, you know, we, we really hit them with a couple of things. I remember Brad Smith ran one for a touchdown on them. And, uh, oh, I can't think of his name right now. Defensive back. Uh, anyway, but we, we had some success. Now, with Pittsburgh, because we had just beaten them a couple of weeks ago, we played really a good game. But if you remember that game, they – it was a windy, cold day. They were already in. We had to win. They won the toss and deferred. They kicked off. Brad Smith ran 104 yards for, or excuse me, ran 94 yards for a touchdown, and got that got behind. 
put them behind. And that really, that put them in a loop. Now, what was up tough for me, we were getting ready. We were preparing for that game. And Mike Tannenbaum came into my office and was talking about that we needed to activate a couple particular guys to help us. And, and I went through the roof. I, I said, you, you mean you're going to take away these two guys from me to put these two guys in? And I got up on the board. I'll never forget this. And I drew a nine, number nine, I said, those two guys, they won't play nine plays in the game. I said, I'll bet you anything you want to bet. I said, you're going to take away these two guys from me, and we beat the hell out of them. Well, I was right. Those two guys did get activated. I lost my two for the game, and the two guys that I argued wouldn't play nine played six plays. So that's the kind of stuff that, to me, drove me crazy. But they didn't play. And, uh, and I, I, that kind of stuff really was tough for me because I, I just believed that we had a formula. Was it the, was it the sexiest form of formula? No, maybe not. But it worked. You know, I remember at the end of that first game that we had to win, uh, toward the end of the game, we were at midfield and we stole. Well, I had the best team in the NFL punting the ball inside the 10. We were really good at it. And we punted them down inside the five. Well, Jason Taylor sacked Ben Roethlisberger in the end zone and got a safety. Well, now we were up by four points. And at the end of the game, they couldn't kick a field goal. We won the game. That's the team we were. And to, to veer away from that a little bit, ah, come on. That's not, you just have to know who you are. And one thing I learned when I went to New Orleans, John Payton knew exactly who he was. And he knew exactly what it would take to win. And, and we were pretty doggone good down there. I mean, that was a lot of fun for me. I was only there for a year. But that was a great experience. And these are all the types of things that I, was, that I tried to write about. Yeah, I mean, we talked about that Pittsburgh AFC title game. That's the last time the Jets have been in the playoff game, and that's what I mean, eleven plus years ago. It, it's uh, it's hard to believe. I mean, think about all the success the Giants and the Jets had. The Giants, you know, two Super Bowls in what four or five years. The Jets back to back AFC title games. Nobody's been back to the playoffs since the Giants had one playoff appearance, two thousand fifteen. They they went one and done. These New York teams have just been awful. Is it what? It's got to be the leadership because the players come and go, the the coaches come and go. It's got to be from the top down, right? It's where it starts. You have to have that. And then you have to get people that understand a formula or whatever you have. I mean, if you go back to those great client teams, and, and I'll go back with the Parcells, it's got it maybe as good as anybody. You know, he knew the type of team that they wanted to have, this big, strong, physical, you know, Lawrence Taylor, you know, all those kind of guys. He, he wasn't the only one. And they had a whole group of them. <laughs> they were all the same. And they, and that, that's what it took to win, those kind of – so you got to know who you have. And then uh, – Obviously, Bill Belichick does, does a pretty doggone good job of that. If you remember when, when Bill first really got the, 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 the Patriots going, uh, when Brady first stepped in, which was against us, in, in the first game after 9-11 up in New England, we beat them. And, they, and Brady came in when Bledsoe got hurt. Brady came into the game. But they were really good on defense. They were good on defense. That's where they won. And as time came along, they developed Brady, Brady, Brady. Now all of a sudden, you got Wes Welker, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and that they they turned it around. But you have to know what you have and how to make that better if you're going to be successful in the National Football League. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. They they won with defense. They did a lot of screen passes on offense. You know, uh, Patrick Pass and you know Antoine Edwards, I think it was, and. And Vinatieri was great. They won with defense. They won with special teams. And Brady kind of just did enough. I think that first Super Bowl they won, he threw one touchdown past the entire postseason. So he wasn't – people remember Brady's, oh, he, you know, he's won all these Super Bowls. And, yeah, he has – he emerged into a great player. But, you know, he wasn't that player right away. He was more of a game manager now. He was clutch. He made the right throws. But, uh, you know, like you said, they did it with defense. They did it with special teams. They did it with coaching. And uh, even those teams, I think Parcells really built a lot of those early Patriots teams, whether it was Ty yes. Law, Brewski, McGinnis, a lot of that, you know, Parcells, Vinatieri, Parcells yes. had a lot of his imprints on, on those early Patriot teams. Absolutely. Sure he did. Sure he did. He knows, how to, he knows how to build a football team. No doubt about it. He just doesn't know how to write a letter. Uh, he made that mistake. But he knows how to build a team. He's, he's outstanding. And they, you know, and Bill was right. Belichick was right with them. Those guys were a good pair. Yeah, they put that team together. When we were playing them in those days early, what they would do against us, we had Curtis Martin and we had a good offensive line. They would play everybody pretty much inside the number. 
they'd load the inside of the field. They'd say yeah. to Chad Pennington, okay, if you can beat us, you got to throw away out there. And we couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. And we couldn't win. And they're going to put everybody in the box, thought Curtis Martin. And they weren't going to let me do anything. They, they would try anything to keep me from winning the game. I, I had a better group than they did. And we, we could beat them. But uh, that's how they beat us. And next thing you know, they'd beat us in a close football game. Is it hard for you to believe, like, Belichick, Brady, they're still doing this all these years later? Um, and what's it like to prepare against the Belichick team? That, that, that's, that's a good question. Um, Belichick is very thorough. Plus, the one thing that, uh, that, that I respect tremendously about him is you're, you, can, you can bet, and you better be prepared for it, that whatever you saw the week before, you may not see it this week because he's going to have a special plan for you. He'll change everything. Everything that they do is going to be tailored to go against what you're doing. And he's going to make every effort to stop what you do best. I used to, frankly, love to go against him as a special teams coach because he was always worried. He played very conservatively against me. He wasn't going to try to let me win the game. So I used to try all kinds of stuff. I, I would get in a thing and go. I'd put guys in motion and run over. He'd be over there yelling, safe. I'm thinking to myself, thank goodness you're yelling safe because I don't have a part to put the ball out of his bedroom. So you're you're gone. I'm, I'm you're helping me out. So it was fun for me. I love to go against him. But you got You just have to know that uh, he's going to take away your best weapon, and and you're going to get something that you're not prepared for. So you better be well rounded, because uh, Bill Belichick does that uh, probably as well as anybody. Uh, so to go against his his teams. Uh, you're going to, you're going to get that. You're going to constantly get that. That, that. That's something he did tremendously well. Uh, a few more and we'll get you out of here. And we're talking with Mike Westoff. The book is figure it out. Can't recommend it enough. It's excellent. Great stories, just great insight. You learn a lot. It, it's enjoyable to read it. You really, once you start reading, it, you won't be able to put it down. So the book is figure it out, go out and buy it wherever you get bookstores. Thank uh, you. Just a couple more quick ones. Rex, was he fun to work for? Were there ever moments? It seemed like from reading the book, you know, you enjoyed it. You just kind of laughed about it, but he would say a lot of stuff to the media. You know, he would talk a lot about other coaches. He had a lot to say. That team was very, you know, brash with Bart Scott and some of those guys. Uh, Petten is the defensive coordinator. Did, did you enjoy it? Was there ever a moment with you and your other coaches? Like, oh my God, I can't believe he said this. Or was it kind of something that you guys thought was fun? No, I, I really liked it. I enjoyed it. I thought Rex did a great, he was, he was perfect for us. He was perfect. He did a good job. He inherited not only a good team, but a good group of coaches. And Rex did the right, right thing the way he handled it. You know, he let me handle everything I did. We had a, an off, he had a philosophy of offense that dealt with, you know, the, if the number of plays that you have, you know, he had a way that you wanted to have a certain number of runs as opposed to a certain number of passes. He kind of believed in a philosophy. We fit that. He was great to work. Some of the crazy stuff that he would say, it, it never, ever, ever manifested itself in our, in, in our, with our team, you know, we had a disciplined team. We had, we never had anybody mispractice. We never had anybody show up late. We never had problems off the field. Rex did a good job with that. He really did. Yeah. Would he come out and say something crazy? Sure. He well, I used to die laughing. I think, what the hell are you talking about? He used to make me laugh. And so, uh, yeah, and we had kind of a brass team, but Rex, Rex, to me, I was with him. I always looked at him. I thought he was a very, very smart defensive coach. I used to let him come into my room at night sometimes. He'd say, oh, let me show you something. He'd draw something up on a board. It was like it was really good. So he inherited that from his father. Pretty doggone good coach. And I used to love to listen to it. I thought, you know, this is good football. It was fun for me. But then, then you know, he'd say some kind of crazy thing. But that never it never got anywhere other than that. We never reflected any of that great. He had a brashness. I always kind of thought of him as like, he's a, he's a big kid. You know, he's still like 13 years old. He's having fun. He really has fun. We had good discipline practice. We, 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 we were, um, and we tried to work on penalties. He wasn't, Rex was a little, a little difficult with that because you know, our defense was so kind of wild and crazy that sometimes we would, you know, that, that, that happens to lend toward a few more fouls, but um, no, 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 no. He was fun to work with. He was, I used to, I used to really enjoy it. Um, our practices were lively. They were competitive. They were competitive without being combative. There's a big, big difference. Rex understood that. He knew uh, he was great to me. You know, he kind of let me kind of do anything I wanted. And uh, it was fun. It was fun to be a part of. And he had it 
the philosophy as the direction it was heading. It veered away from there. You know, after that lockout year, we lost so many guys and we never recovered and we just stumbled downhill. Um, it's too bad. But with Rex, no, I, I think most of it, in my opinion, was uh, was really, really enjoyable. Was Hard Knocks fun? Because you guys were great. It's almost like Hard Knocks has been ruined since because it can't live up to how fun it was, how funny it was to watch with you and Rex. I mean, you guys had some of the great all-time lines. I remember you had a bunch of guys injured, and I think you said something about we should start a Tour de France team because they're all riding the bike. And then one, one of the other guys was missing practice. He said, I don't care if he's got the triple Chinese flu. He better be out there. I mean, you guys were just – it was a natural thing. It, you know, it didn't seem like you guys were, were even aware of the cameras. It was just uh, – did you get a lot of feedback? Was that, was that a fun experience you, doing that hard knocks you, in 2010? You cleaned up my language a little bit there. Thank you yeah. very much. <laughs> now you're 100% right. It was just Steve Sable. You know, his father is the great you know, inventor, starter of NFL films, uh, came in and talked to all of us, and he made it very clear that uh, you'll never be on this show if you want to be on the show, if you try. You'll, it'll never happen. He said, because we're going to film for every hour that they would show. They would film a 1,000 hours. i never forget that. I mean, it was just, it was ridiculous. They had like a million cameras going. And, and so he made it clear, and I got to be friends with him, and then he came into my office uh, one time in New York. And he liked me. He thought I did a good job. As a matter of fact, he recommended that I try to, that I do some NFL media work. And then he did a NFL films presents thing on me. And they sent a crew down here to my home in Florida and went shark fishing with me. I they saw that. Really, I remember that. It was really cool. It was really, a, I, it was an honor to talk with him like that. But what they did is, you know, like I had a little battery pack, a little bit of a small cell phone. But I had with me 24 hours a day. And then they would take, so I never knew what I was saying, what was going to be used. So I learned in a hurry just be yourself. I mean, I don't care. Now, I'm not trying to be a movie star. I, I can care less. You know, it's just who you are. And uh, and then they would fit it in, and it ended up being pretty good. So I respected what they did and how hard they worked. And, and he told me afterwards, uh, and this was kind of a poignant thing, but he sat in my office, and he told me, he said, I will never do another hard knocks. He said, because this was the best one that I've ever done and that I ever can do. And little did he know that he had gotten, you know, he had gotten ill and he, he, he died not too long after that, a year, year or so later. And they didn't, he, he did not do another one, but um, he loved it. He just, he was perfect for him. It was the perfect environment. Remember how he died in New York? You know, he, he'd have a, a camera on top of the subway cars and you know, be playing Bruce Springsteen music and showing the city, you know, and he glamorized New York. He did a great job. There we were, we were like the perfect, you know, we were the perfect uh, team to fit in there. Because, you know, we had all those characters. You know? <laughs> we, we're fitting right in with the city. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and, and he was great. It was fun to be a part of. Um, it was fun to watch. You know, I, I never I never knew any of it, what was going on. I really, I didn't, uh, I, I, I had no chance to know. And it was really a, a very enjoyable thing. But I think it captured and, cap and just captured New York. And it did a great job of that. I loved my years at New York. I absolutely loved it. I, I loved it. I loved going into Manhattan. I loved the city. I loved the fans. I, I wish we could have given them a Super Bowl. I would, I'd give anything for that. But me personally, it was maybe the best years of my life. I, I was so fortunate. I, I just, you know, I, I remember walking through Penn Station and you know, people would be, you know, hey, coach, how you doing? You guys are doing good. Yeah, they'd be nice and friendly. And you know, if you did something wrong, they'd remind you. They'd remind you of it. You know, they'd, you know, <laughs> it was so much fun. I remember standing outside of Penn Station one time, going to catch a cab. I was with my girlfriend. Uh, she lived in Garden City, New York. I had an apartment out there because our offices were at Hofstra. And, uh, and we were, we'd go into the city and then go to dinner. And I'm, it's in the, it's in the winter. It was cold, and I'm standing in line. I got a big top coat on. It's freezing cold, and I'm waiting for a cab. And these guys, it was a Friday night. These guys, like four guys, I'm sure they had been to work, and they had been out having a couple beers, and they came by, and they recognized me. They started talking, you know, hello, da 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 We're standing there talking. And one guy said, Coach, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm waiting to get a cab to go to, go to dinner. He said, cab, why aren't you in a limo? I said, I work for the Jets. <laughs> the Giants ride around in limos. We take cabs. I'm a real New Yorker. Well, they loved it. I was their hero. 
because I just was being just like them. I loved it. It was one of the greatest times of my life, and uh, it'll always have that feeling and that memory for me. Now, you're doing TV for a couple years. You're great on TV. You're, You're working with SNY, and then you get a call from the Saints to say, hey, come fix our special teams. You say no. They, they ask you again. You say no. Eventually, you end up doing it. And now, talk to me about your time there because I, I think you saw something in Taysom Hill, and he's really emerged into one of the great weapons. He's made a lot of money. He's made a, a nice niche for himself in the league. Uh, it's just kind of the Swiss Army knife, but you suffered two of the most heartbreaking uh, title games. Uh, or not title games. One was in the AFC title game. One, the other one or the uh, NFC title game. The other was the divisional round against the Vikings. Now, the Jets ones, I mean – those hurt, but I never felt like you were favored or the better team. These ones, boy, you just had the game right there, especially in 2018, the non-call and the pass interference, the digs play the year before. Uh, talk to me about your time in New Orleans and what you saw in Taysom Hill. It was a great, great time, and you're right. It happened totally fortuitously. I was actually uh, – I had gone up to the city to do my show, the SMY show and the ESPN radio, and um, I used to stay with my girlfriend, but this time I'd gone and stay in the city – she was having a shower for her daughter, and I was having dinner at Elio's Restaurant on 2nd Avenue and Upper, Upper East Side, which my family And uh, anyway, I get a phone call from a guy I knew from the Saints. Says, Mike, you know, we need you to come to the Saints because I'm not coming to the Saints, so forget it. I didn't know anybody. I never met Sean Payton. I, I, never, I didn't know anybody in the building. I mean, I knew, you know, obviously knew who Drew Brees was, but I didn't know anybody. Well, they make a long story short over the next couple of days. They talked me into coming down there. They thought they were really good. The special teams weren't. When I walked in there, we were around 31st in the NFL. When I left, we were first. So I'm pretty proud of that. Uh, and I fell in love with the place. Their general manager, Mickey Lomas, is one of the best. He's one of the best administrators in any sport. Like Sean Payton is a tremendous coach. Uh, best on-the-field teacher that I ever saw in my 32 years. John Payton, and he, he knows how he, what he's doing. Uh, Drew Brees, one of the hardest workers I've ever seen, maybe the. And so it was a fun place to be a part of. But when I started there, when I was going, we were we were terrible. I mean, I couldn't, I was only there. I got there on a Wednesday, and we, we played Sunday. So here I am starting from scratch. And it wasn't anywhere even close. The first game, we beat the Redskins, but I didn't do much. You know, I felt like I just stood around. I was calling everything. I was running everything, but uh, I didn't know. Next week, we went out to the Rams. The Rams beat the heck out of us. I walked back out the stadium, and I called my son. John's an attorney, lives in Washington, D.C. He played football at St. Thomas Aquinas High School in Florida. He has a state championship ring. Then he went to the University of Pennsylvania, where he got an Ivy League degree, and he played football there. He has two Ivy League championship rings. He's got all the rings. He's got three. I don't have any. Anyway, he called me. And he said, uh, Dad, he said, when did you start kicking the ball in the middle of the field? <laughs> I'm trying not to, John. He said, Dad, your return guy looks like he can't catch. He said, you had a good punt block. Your guys can't, you, you're, you, don't, you think you're the wrong guys. And he started going, he said, Dad, make them play your way. And that changed everything for me. I wrote about this extensively. All of a sudden, I got on that plane going back. And I changed everything. I made him play my way. Then I'm walking through the locker room next Monday. I see this guy coming out of the shower with a towel wrapped around him. He looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Who is this guy? I said, he's a quarterback. He's never active. You know, can him taste some hill? So I went up to see Sean Payton. I got talking about taste some hill. I just talked to the strength coach. Make a long story short, brought him in my office. And I've had some success with quarterbacks. Brad Smith, Jim Jensen. Oh, even Tim Tebow a little bit. And I talked to him and I, I said, you know, I, you know, there's a couple of things maybe you could do. So he said, you want to take a chance or you just want to stand around your foot and watch the game? So I practiced them. It took one practice and I knew this guy was something special. He's 6'2", he weighed 230 pounds. He could run under 4'5". He was strong. He was tough. He was smart. Next thing you know, I had what I felt was the best special teams player in the NFC. And all of a sudden, look out. It changed everything. Now I had this group that I had reconfigured. Now we went from being not very good to being really one of the best in the NFC. We were really good. Now we were contributing to our football team. And that was a tremendous thing for me 
And then you just saw a pace of he'll develop, you know, into the hybrid player that he is and the quarterback. And of course, when I got with him, a great special teams player that helped us win games. And so that two years for me, oh, wow. It was, it went from not wanting to go to absolutely loving every second. How hard were the, how hard were those losses? I mean, the, the non-call, the pass interference, the digs, it's just, uh, I think you called the, the non-call and the pass interference against the Rams. That was probably the, the worst loss of your career. That was the worst loss. Yeah. That was it, a- I'll, take, I'll take some blame, part of it. Um, the, the, the play up in Minnesota, I don't care, you say whatever you want. You, you have to play, I believe, you have to play a three-deep secondary. They had, they had nine seconds left. They had to get the ball. They were on the 38-yard line. They had no timeouts. They had to get the ball up the midfield to try a 60-yard field goal, you know, and they're going to they're going to run a three-third route to the short side, try to go ABC, maybe get a pass interference. We're playing it too deep, so now that by the time the guy got over there, uh, Lattimore, you know, he, yeah, he should have made the tackle, he should have made the play, but he didn't. But if we're in three deep, he'd have been standing there with help coming over the top. We stopped the play, we win. So we're in the wrong defense, in my opinion. Okay, the, the other one uh, that 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 thing it was a play that. Earlier, I wish I had done a little differently because I thought I, I had a brilliant plan and I kind of made one little change I didn't make. I wish would have, that would have made. But we, we played pretty well in that game. But it came down to the end. And that was just a terrible, terrible non-call. The next day, the guy got fined gigantically for helmet to helmet. <laughs> yeah. They don't call helmet to helmet and they don't call pass interference. We'd have gotten the ball in the two-yard line, let the clock run down and nothing, kick the field goal. And we'll... Uh, uh, he didn't miss anything. You know, we weren't going to miss anything. So it's just a terrible loss, a terrible loss, and a tough way for me to end my career uh, to walk out of that stadium. And I, I, I graphically described it and to know that my career had come to an end. And I would have just given anything to have it come to an end. But to go to, to go to a chance to go to a Super Bowl, I think I had a, a great career. I'm proud of it. And I never did get to go. I don't believe that that defines my career, but to have had that one chance when I when I lost out on five others, <laughs> I would have. There's coaches that I know that have Super Bowl rings, and I respect them tremendously. But I could beat them with my eyes closed, and I did. And so for me, wow, that was tough because we were really good. We were really good. Yeah, and I think New England was beatable that year in the Super Bowl. That was the year. Yes. I mean, they, they they were not as good. That wasn't a typical New England team. And you guys had a big lead in that conference title game against the Rams, too, and, and even got the ball in overtime. I thought, you know, for everything that happened, all right, they got the ball in overtime. And I think Breeze threw an interception, and Zerline hit like a, a really long kick. It had to be 55. 50, it was a really long 50, kick. 54 yards. Yeah. Yeah, that was tough. That was that's just a shame. We we were, we were we were a good football game. It was, it was a lot of fun to be a part of. It was fun to practice. They, they, they do tremendous things for their uh, their organization. I think there's good organizations. There is in professional sports. Um, both every, everybody in the place was first class, and I had I had nothing but a tremendous experience there. And, and that would have been a fun team to go to the Super Bowl with. And for me, having been an integral part of helping them get up there, and I, I, I made some changes that helped their football team. And I'm, you know, Sean Payton is talks a little bit about that in, in my book and and for so for me it would have been just an incredible way to end uh, my career and it didn't happen so it was discouraging but uh wow fun to be a part of though fun to be a part of that group well i appreciate the time one last one before we get you out of here jets this year over under called six wins here do you think they're good for six wins i i think they're you know, they added some talent in the draft. Now, look, they had the fourth pick and the 10th pick, so I could sit here on my couch and get some pretty good players with the fourth pick and the 10th pick. They've gotten a lot of credit for this draft, but I do think they improved the team. Do you think they improved the team enough? What's your sense here in, in terms of uh, the direction the Jets are going right now? It, to me, to me, it, 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 to me, you got, you got the good news and the bad news. The good news is, I believe, not being an expert on everything, because I don't study them like I used to when I was doing the media, but I think they're the best prepared heading into the season, as I've seen them in 10 years. I think they're the best prepared. This is a pretty good group. Now, the quarterback, I think he can do it. But there's some things we got to find out. And there's a couple of things I'm not sure of. I'd like to see them move them around a little bit more than they do. I want to see them get out of the pocket a little bit once in a while. I think that could help them. But I think they've made some good moves. And they're prepared. The bad news, 
wow, that schedule is tough. I mean, they are, that's tough. They start off, whew, I don't know. It's going to be a dogfight. Plus, AFC East is pretty good, and Miami's improved. I just talked to Marino. Damn, I'm going to go over there next week and watch those guys. And uh, they're better. Uh, New England's always pretty good, and Buffalo is real good. They're real good. So you know, they, you've got a dogfight ahead of you. But how many wins? I don't know. If they win a couple out of those first six, then, 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 they'll, then they'll be up over eight. I believe they can get if they win a couple of those first six. Um, that, that's going to be tough to say. Uh, who knows? So you got good news and bad news. But I think this football team is much better prepared. If I were a fan, I would really want to go watch these guys play. But I think they're going to be exciting. So I'm hoping. I'm hoping that that's the case. Uh, for the past several years, there's times when I've looked at that roster, and I didn't see five players that could have played on our real good Jets team. That's just me. I don't care what anybody else says. That's how I feel. There's not five guys in that roster could have played on some of those guys that I was with. But right now, I don't feel that way. I think this is a pretty good football team. So if I were a fan, I'd be excited. I'd hold my breath a little bit because of those first, that first part of that schedule. Mike Westoff, I appreciate your time. You were very generous with your time. The book is figured out. It is tremendous. You will love it. You, you can I, like get I it said, through. Book. If I can add one thing, you can yeah. get it to the publisher, Mascot Books. You can get it today, Mascot Books. Just go into Mascot Books and then put in the title. The title's Figure It Out, and you can get it delivered to your house. It'll be in, It'll be everywhere uh, July 12th. Uh, it's, just, it's just fun. I had fun writing it. I love the fact that, that we interviewed so many players. And they were able to, you're not only hearing me tell the story, but you're hearing Leon Washington tell the story. And I think that's great. And I love the guys uh, that were involved. And I, I did a lot of talking about my time with the Jets. And um, as I said, it was probably the best years of my life. Well, Mike, thank you so much. The, the book is great. Uh, you were very generous with your time. You had a great career. And this was a lot of fun. Hopefully we'll do it again sometime down the road. Uh, appreciate you coming on. Enjoy your holiday weekend. This was fun. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, before it comes out, if you want to talk again, I'd be very appreciative. But thank you. Thank you for your time and, and doing this. I, I'm very appreciative. You you did a really good job, too. You had great questions. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was my pleasure. It was a lot of fun. Hopefully, we'll do it again soon. Okay. Thanks. All right. Thank you, guys, for listening. Thank you to Mike Westoff. Enjoyed that conversation. Good to have him on. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. Hopefully, we get a Game 7 to talk about. We'll see you Monday. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook.